Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Woohoo and welcome, Podcast 458, Maximize Your Influence. Welcome back, good to have you here, Kurt Morrison. Today, stories. I mean, how do you tell an engaging, powerful, captivating story that persuades without detection, persuades under the radar, sells people without them even knowing it? That's what we're talking about. So I spent the week in San Francisco doing leadership training. We spent a lot of time on stories, downloading your vision, stories, creating emotion, stories. The quickest, easiest, fastest way to create emotion is a story. Because if I say, all right, count of three, everybody feel angry. You're like, what? But I tell you a story, someone that's wrong, a victim and a villain. Ooh, that emotion comes out. And we all know emotions are always more memorable and more persuasive then your logic, your vomiting of the facts and the figures. If you're influence, your leadership, you're in sales, this is the secret ingredient. You're like, wait, Kurt, some people don't like stories. R- true, but rare. I would say less than 10% of your audience, especially if you tell them, let me tell you a story. Just go right into it. No brain will go into caveman mode. They'll listen. They'll pay attention. Especially in a group situation, I can't think of a time you won't tell a story. Now, sure, if you're persuading, selling somebody one-on-one, you can throw in an analogy, a metaphor, a simile, kind of little mini stories, and can have the same effect. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it. But first, let's start off with our blunder of the week. Don't, don't, don't. So I had a layover in Salt Lake City, and it's a new airport. One of the things that make me angry as you go through these nice new airports is, did they think it through? I mean, really? I can think of the list of these new airports. I'm like, really? You put the rental car 10 miles away? You had all this property. You could put it anywhere you want. Anyway, Salt Lake's in that category. They're saying they're still building it, but anyway... From the old airport to the new airport, your walk times, your distances are off the chart. They're a lot longer. So I was griping to myself, making the long walk. Of course, my gate was in the next terminal at the very end. I'm walking, looking at my clock, got to make my connection. And then you go underground. And there's a few of those, you know, moving escalators that kind of help out. But I mean, this is a long haul. Looked at my phone again, looked at the time. Am I going to make it? And then I saw this poster. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. You might think it's a ninja. I'm thinking blunder. Because everyone down there is walking and walking and walking. We all heard about the 10,000 steps a day for healthy. The doctors say you should be walking 10,000 steps, you know, keeping track. So in the tunnel, the variant after walking probably 10,000 steps, it says, Hey, thanks for coming to the Salt Lake Airport. We're looking out for your health. You can tell your doctor you just got your 10,000 steps. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I mean, there's a little humor to that. I probably should have smiled more than I did, but I was thinking it was just a little salt in the wound. Maybe not a good spot for that. Good place to bring it up. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts at Kurt, K-O-R-T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. You might think it's a ninja. (laughs) I bounced it off somebody. They thought it was creative and fun. 
It's probably going to depend more on mood than anything. We've talked about that in the last few weeks, that mood matters. You know, I'm rushed. And we know when we're rushed, we don't think straight. We don't see things. So that might have been it. Being rushed could affect my perception of this blunder. So there you have it. They're looking out for you, making sure you walk in your 10,000 steps a day. Let's go to our email. Oh, boy. And then to our article, they're kind of intertwined. This is Pete from Portugal. Hey, Pete. Love Portugal. Just it was a few years ago, down to the Algarve, went to Lisboa. Didn't make it to Porto this time, but I do love Porto. Good food. If you know anything about Portugal, you got to go get the bolos. That means pastries. Very good. <laughs> so thanks. Pete, you do get the gold version of InfluenceUniversity.com for using your email on the show. He says, Kurt, you were right. I was in one of your Zoom trainings and you said, we all have over 100 personal stories. And I didn't believe you at the time, but let me tell you, in less than two months, I put down over 100 personal stories on my phone. Hey, Pete, I told you. And you're probably going to hit 200, 300. And I'd add a new category. Borrowed stories, maybe historical stories, maybe fable-type stories. Keep them coming so when you need them, you can look at them. Nobody really believes me when I say that because they're like, stories, well, I have one embarrassing moment. And the time I broke by, you have hundreds of stories. So good for you. Kudos. Two months, that's pretty impressive. I probably try to do one or two a week, but I've been doing it for over 10 years. And I've got hundreds of all different types of stories. I do the same thing with the joke humor list. And then uh, Pete says, can you review some of the structure to make my stories more persuasive? When you put it on the list, you don't need to know exactly what you're going to use it for. And the good thing about a story is you could probably use it for uh, 20 different things. That's a great thing about a story. Keep them coming. You can organize them later. But when it's in your brain, put it down. Was it Earl Nightingale said good ideas are like slippery fish. <laughs> get them down. Get them down. I don't know how many times I went to bed with a great idea. I woke up the next day. I'm like, what was that great idea? And that's the frustrating thing. You remember it was a great idea. Life-changing idea. Income-changing idea, you just can't remember what the idea was. So get it down, write it down, make it happen. So let's talk about stories, some structure here. And then we're going to get into our geeky scholarly article from Jennifer Acker. She's at Stanford, The Seven Deadly Sins of Storytelling. So let's go to the good. So the science. Well, it's our caveman brain. That's how history was downloaded and sent. That's how you told your son to stay away from the cyber-toothed tiger if you were a caveman. The emotional, almost dying story, stay away, this is what you do. So not only is it memorable, but it triggers those emotions. So when they see that saber-toothed tiger, they know exactly what to do. Now, for some reason, especially in the Zoom age, digital age, we don't tend to tell as many stories as we should. We need them, we want them. We might not know as a prospect that we need them and want them, but I'm telling you, this is a power tool. If I'm trying to transmit my vision, be more influential, off the charts. Why? How many reasons do you want me to give you? It's just another way for something to make sense, to simplify it. Like I mentioned earlier, it triggers emotions. The quickest, fastest, easiest, bestest way to trigger an emotion. And with that, if you are using data, what makes data come alive is taking that data point and finding a success story or a story around it. It releases oxytocin in people's brains where you connect. They like you more. They trust you more. It demonstrates who you are. They get to know you. There's a connection there. If I'm trying to build credibility, just do it a story. Hey, I had this failure. I hit a brick wall, but I turned it around and now there's success. You can demonstrate who you are with the story. It's easy to listen to. I mean, data and logic, you're like, ah, but just a story. It just happens. 
We see stories in movies, any type of entertainment, education, historical, spiritual texts, and it grabs people's attention. They can be bored out of your mind. You watch. Boom. They're more engaged. They're listening. And here's the coolest thing. I've said it before. Stories persuade without detection. They put people to subconscious trance. They listen more. They're easier to persuade. So whatever you want them to do, believe, or feel, do it in the story. That's what's going to happen. They want the ending. They want the solution. They're paying more attention. I can tell you, yes, you should buy life insurance. Something bad could happen. You have all those kids. Yeah, okay. No, no. Story. Bob is driving home. Dark evening. Storm hit. Tragic accident. Seven kids. That's always, always going to be more persuasive for most your prospects. So I mentioned uh, Dr. Aker from Stanford. She's in the Graduate School of Business. We're going to get to her article here in a second, but there's one study I did read before where she had students in this business school prepare a one-minute presentation to the class. And only one out of the ten presentations told a story. Now, obviously, on a university level, they really screw with your brains and you do all the logic, logics, data, data, statistics, and we forget the emotional side. And so when I do teach public speaking on a university level, I have to reprogram the brains Emotion, emotion, stories, stories, analogies. 10% of the presentations told a story. So that means the other 90% were using facts, figures, and statistics. Here's the crazy thing. 63% of the students remembered a story, and only 5% remembered a fact. Huge. Repeat that. 63% remembered the story, only 5% remembered a fact. Just saying, just putting it out there, power tool, it's crazy. So let's talk about the brain, and we've learned more about the brain the last 10 years and the last 100 years combined, is when you're going over facts and figures and statistics and data, it only activates two parts of your brain, two regions, they call it. The Broca area, that's for language processing and comprehension, and the Wernicke area, if you need to know, that's also for language comprehension. Again, it takes more mental energy just to facts, figures, figure it out. But it's only lighting up two parts of your brain. Now, here is the key. When you tell a story, it activates seven regions of your brain. <laughs> it lights up your whole brain. Now, the data ones are still lit up like we talked about, but also the motor cortex for movement, auditory for sounds, olfactory for sense, sensory for touch, visual for shapes and colors. It just lights it up. That's why it's so memorable. That's why we're living it. We're going through it. Stories persuade without detection. Whatever you want them to believe, feel, or do, tell it in a story. And let me tell you something else. And I learned this from Paul Smith, how to engage and persuade with stories. These are available in the archives. In fact, go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com for all the discounts, your free persuasion IQ assessment, the archives. Contact me. Let me know how we're doing. It's all right there. Training, product, services. There's your plug. But anyway... He taught me something off the charts, especially when I teach influencing up, influencing to the side, leading the leader, influencing without authority, is that when you get somebody else, especially if there's a little resistance to tell you a story, hey, how did you get here? How'd you turn that around so fast? What's your story? When you get other people to tell you a story, it makes you more likable, it boosts their esteem, and it makes them easier to persuade and influence. So I want to bring that out there. That is a huge tool for you to understand. So going back to Dr. Aker, research shows that we're wired for stories. We're not wired for this logic facts. It takes us too long. It's a lot of energy. And that's one of the reasons I feel people don't geek out on math a lot, because there's a lot of mental energy. Some people love it. Some people really good at that. Most people aren't. But our brains are there over the centuries to retain stories. 
In fact, let me tell you a story. A personal story. Something I learned that's made a huge impact in my life. So, you know, I've been in the corporate world for a while, and I'd written my first book, come out, and I made the jump to be trainer, author, seminar guy. And, you know, if you ever made that jump to entrepreneur, it takes longer than you think. And it was taking longer than I wanted, and the bank account was getting lower than I wanted. Things were starting to happen, and I was working through it. And if you know anything about me, I've told you before, I'm a boat guy. I love boats. Didn't have a boat, really wanted a boat, needed a boat, loved boats. And I went to the boat show. And during the winter time, it was like February, went to the boat show. I've talked about the boat show before, but this was the first one I'd ever been to. Man, they were beautiful. They were gorgeous. Decided which one I wanted, the color, the length, the model, got the brochure, put it up on my wall when I got home. I knew it was just a boat. I knew exactly what kind it was. And I looked at it every day. Yeah, yeah. But I did more than that. Here's the lesson. So that Saturday, I went to the lumber store, took what little money I had, bought some lumber and cement and started clearing out the bushes on the side of my house. My wife comes out and says, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm building a boat shed. She's like, you don't have a boat. I said, I know, I will. You don't have a car that'll pull a boat. I said, I know, I will. And I kept working on it. I measured it. And then one Saturday, I was working on it. A neighbor came over and says, "Uh, what are you doing? I'm like, building a boat shed. She's like, you don't have a boat. I'm like, I know, I will. She says, you want to know the two happiest days in a boat owner's life? The day they buy it. And the day they sell it. I'm like, really? Spitting on my dreams? That's not true, by the way. But fast forward six months, I was backing up a boat to that boat shed. And I don't say that to boast. I just know that if I didn't visualize it, and I was specific, and I didn't take action, that would not have happened, especially that fast, if I hadn't taken those actions. So, the story. Did you feel your mental state? You probably paid more attention. You wanted to know the ending. You got to know me a little bit more. And it illustrated a very valuable point. How about another story? So I'm just going to borrow this story. I'm going to pull it up and just take a look at it and just read it to you. This is the real Rocky Sylvester Stallone story. Now, Sylvester Stallone is Rocky, played Rocky. So in 1974, Sylvester Stallone was a broke actor, writer in New York City. And he saw this fight with Muhammad Ali where this nobody boxer fighting the world. He's like, that's it. I'm going to write a screenplay. And he wrote a screenplay in three days, which is phenomenal. Writing's hard. He only had $106 in the bank. And he submit the screenplay to his agent. And he was offered $20,000 for Burt Reynolds to play this thing, to play Rocky. And he's like, no, I'm Rocky. I wrote this for me. I'll do it for free. They're like, no, 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 we don't want you. Here's $80,000. He's like, no, it's me. Okay, here's $200,000. We'll have Robert Redford do the lead. He's like, no, this is for me. Okay, $300,000. We don't want you <laughs> to play in it. He says, I'm not going to live my life with what if. They're like, uh, 330 Nope, not going to happen. So they agree to pay him $6,000 instead of 330000 which you know is a game changer. He was nominated Best Actor, three Academy Awards, went into star of 31 movies. Just one of those movies. I think it was what, Daylight? Made $20 million. So I just followed the flow. You can do this. You can get better. This is huge. How can we improve? Now, here are some of the things to watch out for. Let's talk about the scholarly article with Dr. Aker. And she says, people connect with the characters of the story. So personalize, make the character warm and believable. It's okay if they have a few mistakes and a few flaws. And she even mentioned Rocky here. She says, bulletproof, engaging stories do not chronicle straight line to success. Rocky did win every fight. In fact, he probably lost most of his fights. That's all part of it. 
So we have to make the character believable. Let me just add some of the downsides to a story here. When insulting, there's no purpose between the story or it goes too long. Good stories are probably two, three, four minutes long. So the more you could make a victim and a villain, the story believable, that it's okay to have a few weaknesses and failures, it's okay for them to hit a brick wall, that it's even more important. She's talking about in a marketing aspect that companies that have a corporate story that they can rally around, it makes a huge, huge difference. And the other things you mentioned is be very careful, especially if you're talking to a prospect, avoiding jargon, technical terms, acronyms, huge words, being too descriptive. Hey, I'm all about being painting the picture, being descriptive, but sometimes you can go overboard, so do be careful there. So how do you do this? This is the secret sauce I am telling you. So as you think about your story, what is your point? What are you trying to trigger here? What do you want them to know, feel, do, believe? That is your story. Practice your stories. Get your body language involved into it. You work on your word choice. Practice in front of a five-year-old. If you can keep their attention, keep anybody's attention. <laughs> you want to practice these. I'll always tell you to do a personal story because it connects you more. There's more emotion. They're easy to tell. But you might not have a perfect story. I borrowed one, the Rocky story. That's borrowed. It's a great story. I can give you a list of other ones you can use that are good. So, But you can use something from history, some spiritual text, depending on what you're trying to persuade on. A success story from a prospect, or even you, your before and after picture can be that story. But basically, in that story, you're teaching them someone who's learned a similar lesson, what you want them to do, believe, or feel. Again, keep it short. Try to use emotion, humor, unpredictable. Use your body. Paint the picture. Use that vocal variety in your voice. Keep it short. If it's a super long story, break it up with instruction in between. If you don't think a story is appropriate, at least a metaphor analogy, a simile. I know in doing research for lots of charisma that charismatic people use a lot more of those than the average person. Don't embellish. Don't make it up. If it's not your story, let people know. Give credit where credit's due. And so we're running out of daylight, but Pete, you want to know the structure. So first thing you ask yourself is what objection do you want the audience to solve, you know, in their mind? To believe, do, or know. We've talked about that. So here's the order. Five steps. The setup. You're setting things up. The backstory. You want to make the character maybe likable, vulnerable, just connecting the dots so they get kind of who's there, who's in the story, time frame, location, those type of things. This is the setup. This is the backstory. Then you go into the goal of the character. They want to be more successful, make more money, be healthier, win the girl, win the boy. And you want to make the goal of the character the same as the audience. What's the audience want? More obedient children? Sleep better at night because they have life insurance? Whatever it is, what is the goal of the character? Then, of course, and you see this in every movie, number three. Three is the conflict. Now, that can be internal or external. Like inside, they feel embarrassed. They don't feel like they can win the girl. They've tried it before and failed. Or external, maybe there's a, a villain. You know, they hit a brick wall. There's a victim and a villain. There's conflict. And that rallies people quite a bit. Then what do we want? Victory. And the surprise victory is always the best. I mean, the Sylvester Stallone story, that's surprising. He would turn away $330,000 to play the part, but he only had $107 in the bank. So number four is the victory, the solution. Of course, that solution is the solution you want in the mind, in the brain of your prospect. And number five, the aha, or we call it your lesson learned. This is a lesson learned. This is the takeaway. This is why you tell the story. This is what we learned. So master this. Practice. Get better. Get your story list going. 
mean, you talk about a skill that'll have 100x return, this is it. That's the tool to work on. Get your story list going this week. Pick one. Start practicing it. Find a stranger in the mall. Tell them a story. <laughs> you might make a friend and you'll get better at it. I'm telling you, it'll make a huge difference. In fact, if you really want to master the stories, the perfect persuasive presentation, how many times should you use statistics, testimonials, analogies, similes, stories in your presentations, I have the perfect persuasive presentation, and I'm going to give it to you for free. All right? I'm going to give it to you for free. Go to presentationiq.com. There's 10 questions, pretty simple. Helps with my research. We're going to identify your strengths and maybe some things you can work on. Then you'll get the training, the video, the seminar on the perfect persuasive presentation. There's downloads. There's a formula for you to follow step by step by step for you to go through as a reward for helping me out and helping yourself out. Presentation IQ, check it out. So there you have it. Apply something that you learned this week. Tell your family, friends, and enemies. We're on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Master stories, but get better. Become more influential. Get better in sales and go out and persuade with power. 